Well, please take a seat, everybody. Um, have you ever met or had an encounter with a Christian who you just say is weird? Chances are you have, and if you haven't, guaranteed you're the weird one. Just thought I'd let you know. So, tonight we are launching a brand new three-part series called Don't Be Weird. And um, just to let you know right off the bat, this is not a series about how not to be weird in a social setting. Because if it was, I would not be up here talking to you. I would be in the front row with pen in hand, taking notes because when it comes to social settings, when it comes to parties, I am just a weird human being. So lucky for you, I'm um, not talking about that. This series is about, this series, um, in fact, is a, is a don't be weird, and it's a three-part series, and it's all about, um, it's targeted at Christians. Because let's face it, um, we have all met Christians who we just say are a little bit weird. You know, you've met them when you've gone to the shopping centre and they're there and, um, you know, they're dressed up and they come up to you and they're like, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? And you're like, I'm just here to shop. Like, and it's got this kind of weird boy. Others of you... Um, others of you um, have been out in the, at, you've been at the valley with your friends, you've been there to party, and you've got this random person who seems to walk up to you, and it's in the dark as well, like you, you have no idea what's going on, and they walk up out of the dark, and they're like, hey, would you like to talk about Jesus? And you're like, no, can you just like, you know, I'm really scared, um, it's kind of weird. Um, you know, others of you um, have had encounters, and this is, this is probably the thing I find the weirdest, is when someone will come up to you and go, hey, can I pray for you? And they've, they've never met you before. They're a complete stranger. And you, like, maybe, you know, their intentions are great, but they've done this in public. Like, everybody's there, and your friends are there, and you know, it's kind of weird, and they've, they've actually put their hand on your shoulder. And that's kind of weird, because you've never met this person. And it's even more weird for people like me, who just, like, hate physical touch. You're like, get away from me. Like, I've got my personal space. You've got your personal space. Like, don't come into my personal space. And all of a sudden, this stranger has put their hand on your shoulder and going, hey, can I pray for you? And you're like, no, 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 please, just don't be weird. That's what this series is about uh, because Christians can often be weird and they can be particularly weird when it comes to sharing their faith, when it comes to talking about their faith. Oftentimes, it almost seems that Christians like have this different voice. You know, they're normal 95% of the time when they're your friends and you hang out with them and when you're at parties and when you're at coffee and when you're at dinner, they're normal human beings. But all of a sudden, God pops up in the conversation and all of a sudden, their voice changes. All of a sudden, it seems like they've got their Jesus voice on and it's like they've got this pre-prepared script that they've got for you to kind of talk about. It's just kind of a little bit weird. And so, um, tonight, we are launching our three-part series, Don't Be Weird, and apparently there's a puppy on screen. Um, And um, it's about how to have a genuine conversation about faith. Um, because the reality is, a lot of Christians find it so weird to talk about their faith that they've just come to the conclusion that um, I'm just not going to share my faith with anyone. I'm just not going to talk about it. I'll go to church on Sunday, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say anything because it's just kind of weird and I don't know what to do. And the reality is, statistically, the average Christian will share their faith, they will talk about their faith with 0.7 people per year. Now, I don't know how you come up with a statistic like that, like 0.7 people, I have no idea, 
But what the statistics will tell you is that Christians find it incredibly weird to talk about their faith. And so tonight we're going to talk about that. How do you do it in a way that's genuine? How do you have a conversation with somebody um, about your faith that's genuine? Now, if you're not a Christian, um, this series is not directly targeted at you. However, while it may not uh, directly apply to you, this series is still for you. Because wouldn't you like to have a conversation with a Christian that wasn't just extremely weird? More than that, this series will answer that question that you've been asking yourself for so long. Why are Christians so weird? And I want to look at that question. Why are Christians so weird when it comes to sharing their faith? Now, I think the easy answer is to say they just don't know how to. That would be the easy answer, and I think that's part of the reason. But I think there's more to it than that. Because let's think about it. You never had to think or you never had to learn how to have a conversation about your favourite movie to talk about your favourite movie to your friend. You never had to um, get taught um, get taught at school or at university how to have a conversation to talk about that new song that just got released. Um, you just go and tell people. You never had to learn to have a, uh, have a conversation with others in order to talk about your hobbies. You just did it. It, came no- it was natural. It was normal for you. You didn't need to learn it. It just came to you. So why is that? Why is it that you don't need to learn how to have a conversation about any other arena in your life, but when it comes to faith, all of a sudden we go, I don't know how to. I don't know how to. I don't have all the answers. Therefore, I'm not going to talk about it. Why is it so weird to talk about this one thing, but it's normal and natural to talk about every other thing in your life? And the answer lies in this. Passion. Because passion is what drives our conversations. If you think about it, what what do you talk about with your friends? It's the things that you're passionate about. It's those um, hobbies that you have. It's that movie that you've just watched. It's those songs that you enjoy. It's those friendships that you have. It's those things that you're passionate about that you talk about on and on and on. This is why when you, your friend falls madly in love, they just won't shut up about their boyfriend or girlfriend because they're passionate about it. This is why you find it so easy to talk about your hobbies because passion drives our conversations. And the truth is... When it comes to sharing your faith, it's the exact same. Passion should drive your conversation about faith. Which really means this, that sharing your faith is more of a heart issue than it is a head issue. It's more about what's contained within your heart than what you know. And so, tonight, we're going to look at what what is it that um, Christians should be passionate about? What is it that should drive them to have conversations about faith? Because at the end of the day, it's passion that should drive our conversations and it's passion that should drive your conversations about faith. Now, there's more to it than just passion because let's be honest, passion without a plan often results in chaos. This is why people with New Year's resolutions, with dreams, with business ideas often fall short often never see them come into fruition. It's not because they're not passionate about it, but it's because they lack a plan. 
And so in parts two and three, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the how to um, having a conversation about faith. But tonight, we're just going to talk about this, passion. Because it is the very reason why we are living 2,000 years after um, the birth of the Christian church, talking about Jesus in Australia. Because the church started 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem with a group of 12 um, or a group of a dozen people living in the city. And then over just a short period of time, it rapidly exploded. It rapidly exploded all across the Mediterranean Rim. Quickly, it became the, um, the, um, the um, religion of the Roman Empire who um, initially hated Christians. In fact, they persecuted the Christians and executed them for their faith. The, the, the rapid expansion of the church started with this, passion. There were so many passionate people uh, who were excited about what was going on and they shared their faith with others. And there was one person in particular who was so influential and was so um, passionate that he shared his faith with so many people. In fact, he would went around the Mediterranean Rim telling people about um, this faith that he had and started planning churches. He is considered the most influential person in the Christian faith aside from Jesus. And this guy was named Paul. And this guy planted so many churches and shared his faith with so many people. And uh, there's one church in particular that he starts in Corinth. And he writes them two let- letters that we have, we have documented in the New Testament. And in his second letter to them, um, in his second letter to them, he talks about why he's so passionate and why he goes around sharing his faith. And he talks about it over a course of a few chapters, and tonight we're just going to give you a bird's-eye view of those chapters. If you want to read them, uh, you're more than welcome to do that in your own time. Uh, but for time's sake, we're just going to look at a couple verses um, in this um, second letter. And Paul, Paul writes some really interesting things. He, he writes this, It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. We believe and therefore speak. We speak because we believe. We're passionate. We are convicted because of what we believe. And this is what Paul believes. Because we know that one raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. They were convinced they were passionate and they believed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus and that gave them a hope. That gave them a hope that was within them that they couldn't stop talking about it to other people. They wanted others to find out about the hope that was found in Jesus. And Paul sees, he he recognizes this hope, he discovers this hope for himself and because he discovers this hope, he kind of sees his responsibility as sharing that hope with other people because he recognized that the hope that is found in Jesus wasn't just for him but it was for the entire world and he wanted everybody else to experience that same hope that he had found and so he'll talk about this responsibility in the follow, following chapter and he goes on to say because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord we work hard to persuade others now when he says persuade others, he's not talking about sandwich boards going, turn or burn, like, you know, you know, 
you're going to die. Like, he's not talking about that. He's talking about, I had a conversation with you. Um, I had conversations with people about my faith. I discussed um, and I um, in, interacted with their questions. And I did this in such a way that it didn't push people away, but people went in and people wanted to know more. And the reason why people wanted to le- uh, lean in and know more is because he was sincere. See, God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. And he'll spell it out a little bit more what this sincerity means. So he says, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us, to take joy in us, so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. See, the most important thing when it comes to sharing your faith is a sincere heart. It's not about having the answer to every question that someone may ask you. It's about being authentic about the faith within you. It's about being genuine with others about what you believe. See, what Paul's doing here is he's reminding the people in Corinth the very thing that we often need to be reminded of, and it's this, that to share your faith, you don't need a spectacular presentation. You just need to be sincere. You don't need to have a, you know, a five-point explanation. You don't need to have a word-for-word written script. You don't need to have the answer to every question that someone may ask you. You just need to be sincere, to be honest, to be genuine. In fact, being sincere is so much more important than being spectacular in the way you present and the way you talk about your faith. Because If you are spectacular in your presentation, but you lack a sincere heart, the Christianity that you will share with others will be nothing more than a hollow Christianity. It may be pretty on the outside, but it will be hollow on the inside. It will be empty in the middle. And when it's all about you, when it's about spectacular, it's about what others think of you. And so rather than pointing people to Jesus and pointing people to the hope that's found in Him, you'll point it to you. And you'll show people how great you are and you'll get in the way of them seeing the hope and how great God is. But sharing your faith is not about showing people how great you are, it's about showing people how great God is. And you don't need a spectacular presentation to do that. Because God is great in and of Himself. And what His Son has done for the world is so spectacular that you don't need a spectacular presentation to make it seem attractive. All you need to do is be sincere, to be genuine, to be authentic. Now, to do that, you need one thing. You need one thing in order to be sincere, genuine, and authentic. And that thing is passion. Because at the end of the day, you can't fake passion. That's why so often Christians kind of seem fake when they're talking to you. And why they kind of, when they're sharing their faith, you're like, this, this just kind of seems kind of weird. This kind of seems fake. I don't, they don't seem kind of being real with me. They kind of seem superficial. It's because they lack passion. But the early church didn't lack passion. In fact, the early church was so passionate that they were willing to die for their faith. Paul was so passionate that he was executed because he wouldn't stop talking about um, his faith. He wouldn't stop sharing his faith with other people. 
That's how passionate the early church was. And the reason why Paul and the early church was so passionate is because they were compelled. They were compelled um, by Christ's love. It's for Christ's love compels us. This is why we do it. We are compelled because we understand how much God loves the world and how much He loves us. And we understand exactly what He has done for the world and we want to share that with the world. And He goes on to explain a little bit more in detail. Because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but live for, who, uh, live for Him who died for them and was raised. That uh, they were convinced. The reason why they would share their faith was and the reason why they were so passionate is because they were convinced. They were convinced in the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that was found in it. They recognized that there, um, through Jesus' death and resurrection, that there was a new hope. There was a new future. There was a new destiny for anybody who would say, yes, I want to put my faith in Jesus. In fact, Paul will spell this out very clearly later on in this chapter. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. In other words, those who place their faith in Jesus will have a new life, a life full of hope, a life full of purpose, a life full of meaning. And he has opened a doorway to a new future. And not just a future that you will experience in the 80 or 90 years that you live in, on this planet, but a future that goes beyond that. A future that extends to the end of eternity. A future that does not end in death, but a future that ends in paradise, in heaven, with uh, experiencing a relationship with your heavenly Father. They were convinced they had a hope in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why they shared their faith. And that's why they were so passionate. And when it comes to having a conversation about faith, that's really all it takes. To be sincere about the hope that you have. So, um, every week we have an application because we believe, hey, information is great, but if you can't apply it to your life, then it's not really that great um, because information should change your life. We believe that you should be better for Sunday because of what you heard, uh, or better for Monday because of what you heard on Sunday. Um, so this week, um, I have a for Monday for you, and you're probably guessing that it's going to be to share your faith with somebody, um, but it's not. Um, and the reason why is because um, I just don't want you to be weird, all right? So we're going to give you two more weeks to kind of work all that out, how to share um, your faith. Um, but uh, tonight, uh, this week's for Monday... Uh, I really just want you to discover the hope found in Jesus. Because you can't give something to someone else that you don't have within you. You can't share with somebody something that you don't have. And now you may be like, oh, I've believed in Jesus for so long. I've got, I know the hope, I know the, I know the joy. But if you're not sharing that with other people, then maybe you don't. And if you're not a Christian, this will give you just an insight an insight into why Christians are so passionate and why Christians come on a Sunday to sing songs like they're not even good at singing. Why do they come and sing songs? Like this will give you an insight into why. And the, how you, I want you to go about discovering it 
is I want you to read one of uh, the four biographical accounts of Jesus' life. Now, there were kind of four guys who um, were really close to Jesus' time period. In fact, Matthew, Mark, and John uh, knew Jesus personally. Luke went around and he documented um, and he interviewed people and found out what Jesus did and he, he writes an account of that. And these four people talk about the hope that Jesus gave to the world when hope entered into the world and the hope that's found in his death and resurrection. And I just want you this week to read one of them, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, and to begin to understand the hope that the early church had and to begin to discover that hope for yourself. And the reason why um, is because when you have that hope within you, it will change everything. At the end of the day, um, in every faith journey, there's always a story of, of a person or a group of people who took the time to invest in the life of another. There was a group of people, or there's, a, there's always a story of a person who had the hope within them, and they took the time to share that hope with another person. Somebody who had the hope within them who took, and took the time to invest in the life of another. And my story is like every other story. I have a person, and I've actually had a group of people who have been throughout my life, who have taken the time to invest in my life, who have had the hope contained within them, and they've shared that hope with me. When I was um, um, growing up, like, I'm still growing up, but like, um, when I was in um, grade 12, um, for me, that's when the hope really um, came alive for me. That's where I really discovered that hope. Um, that's found in Jesus that people have talked about. Like, I grew up in church, but I never understood the hope because all I saw Jesus was, was a ticket to heaven. Like, that's all he was. Like, as long as you believed in him, everything was going to be all right. So for me, I was going to believe in God, but I was going to believe in God when I was 90, when I was, you know, about to die. So then I get all the benefits, but I got to live the way I wanted to live because it kind of seemed that, following Jesus took the fun out of life. Like, there was a whole lot of things you couldn't do if you were a Christian, so I was just going to shelf Jesus, put him on the side, and pick him back up when I was 80 or 90, so I got to go to heaven. But my perspective changed, and everything kind of changed for me because one person in particular took the time to invest in my life. See, in grade 12, there was one person um, who took the time to, to meet up with me. Every fortnight, uh, we'd go out um, it's coffee. Uh, I wasn't a coffee drinker at the time, so they taught me that. But, um, and they'd engage with some of those questions that I had. And they discussed that faith um, that they had within them. And they journeyed with me through my faith journey. And through um, the course of nine months, through them meeting up with me, through investing into my life and discussing some of the questions I had about faith, all of a sudden, the faith that they had, the hope that they had became real to me. All of a sudden, I discovered that hope for my life. See, I discovered that Jesus didn't just die to open a way to heaven, but he died for so much more. That he opened a way to a relationship with the creator of the universe. He opened a way to a relationship with the God that loved me unconditionally, that loved me so much so that he was willing to die for my life and that to set me free and to open a door to a new future, to set me free from not just death, but to set me free from sin. Now, originally I just thought sin was that thing that 
you, like God didn't like it, but it wasn't that bad. But I kind of discovered that the reason why God doesn't like it is because sin destroys you and it causes you to hurt other people. And I realized that when I follow Jesus, I'm set free from that. And I'm set free from the thing that destroys me and that causes so much hurt in the lives of others. I saw that Jesus has a hope for my life, a plan for my life, a purpose for my life. In fact, since that moment, I've woken up every day with purpose. Monday is now my favorite day of the week because it is the start of the week. And now that might sound, seem weird because it's the start of the week, but I love it because it means I've got 168 hours to move towards the purpose and the plan that God has for my life. My life has meaning. And it was all because somebody took the time to invest in my life and share the passion and the hope that they had found in Jesus. And I discovered that hope and something was ignited within me. And so what I, my challenge to you is to discover that hope. You may not believe at this point in time, maybe you're not too sure about sharing your faith. I just encourage you to discover that hope because it may just change everything for your life. And you'll be convinced, you'll be encouraged to share your faith with others because you'll want them to experience that same life change that you experience because you'll see that there's so much more to life than just life itself. So this week, take the time to discover the hope found in Jesus. You won't be disappointed. Uh, why don't you let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, uh, we just thank you uh, for the hope that's found in the death and the resurrection of your Son. Uh, we just pray that, um, that you would help us to discover that hope. Uh, no matter what point we are in our faith journey, Lord, uh, we just pray that, that you would help us to discover the hope that's found in your Son and to share that hope with other people. In your name we pray. Amen.